What do you do when something happens unexpectedly? What, what do you do when something happens unexpectedly in your life? When you're afraid, when you get devastating news. You see, here, here's the thing. Trials and tragedy are a part of life. You, you might very well call them storms. And so this morning, I've come to ask you, are you ready? Are you prepared when they do come? Because the time to prepare for a storm is before the storm. Not during, but before. As I think about the storms of life, I, I think about my nanny. I think about my nanny, Belle, my mom's mom. Heavenly music. <clears throat> they usually do that at the end. Are they trying to tell me to hurt? Am I supposed to like say amen and pray? I don't know. Just getting going. <clears throat> but I think about my nanny, Belle. My nanny's life was filled with tragedy and pain. You see, in November 1962, it was just a regular day for nanny and my granddaddy, Lacey. They owned a store in Loris, and he had gone out to run some errands. The store and the house were connected. And there directly, somebody came in the store and had told my grandmother there had been a bad accident just down the road. So the next person that walked in had to tell her the bad news that it was my grandfather. He died in November of 1962. My mom was about nine years old. He left behind four children. She told me part of her story as we sat down and talked one day, and she said after my granddaddy passed, that she went out behind the store in the garden, and she said, I did everything I could do to have a heart attack. She said, I got in that garden, I worked that plow, and I was hoping, and I was hoping I'd have a heart attack. And it was there in that moment, she said, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, if you die, who will care for your children? And she said, from then on, I asked for the Lord's help to carry on. Fast forward to February of 1990. There on Highway 905. It's kind of interesting. I wrote a message one time called If These Walls Could Talk from her house. At the end of the street was Langston Baptist Church where my grandfather was called to be a pastor. Had he never had, my parents wouldn't have met. I wouldn't have been sitting in that house. You know what I'm saying? It was just heavy. As Doc Brown from Back to the Future says, it's just heavy, right? It's like just hard to imagine how great God is and how he connects all the dots. But there on Highway 905, my Aunt Denise lived on that highway. My eight-year-old cousin Jennifer had gone out that morning to go to the school bus stop. And it began to rain, and Jennifer began to come back across the road. And at the time Aunt Denise saw a car coming, she yelled to Jennifer. It was too late. The side mirror on the car hit her in the head. She went to MUSC. She later died. You know, what's interesting, too, that I've told that she had my shoes on that day. We had hand-me-down clothes, and she had on my shoes that day when she was killed. Her mother, my Aunt Denise, had to watch her child be struck. While my cousin Lacey, named after my grandfather, was just a toddler, sitting in the car, just oblivious to what's going on. 
in the mid, somewhere in the mid-90s, my grandmother's sister, Aunt Linda, as we knew her, Aunt Linda struggled with some things. She struggled with mental health issues. It got so bad, it got to a place to where she just went out to the river. She jumped in the river and ended her life. My granddaddy, her grandchild, her sister. Fast forward to the late 90s, my Aunt Denise, she was the rock of our family. She called me hero. She pushed us to be the best that we could be. She found out she had ovarian cancer. And for 18 months, she fought. And she fought hard. But the cancer won. Fast forward to 2007 in Florida. My Uncle Rick lived there. We'll never know exactly what happened that day. Basically, he and his wife have been married five times. He married the same woman twice. Don't ever do that. <clears throat> I mean, if it wasn't bad, the fr- I mean, come on, Uncle Rick, if it wasn't bad enough the first time, you know, you went back glutton for punishment, went back for more. But whatever that day there in Naples, Florida, something happened, some argument, whatever. We'll never truly know what happened, but basically it was a murder-suicide. She got the call that her son had died. Fast forward again into the 2010, probably 2013, 12, 13 my nanny found out she had dementia. You know, I thought about something this week I never thought about. Maybe, just maybe, because of all the pain and the tragedy that nanny had been through, maybe the dementia was there in her life to keep her from remembering all those things that she had had to experience. So I want to ask you, what do you do when the storms come? What do you do? I think is, I think we have to lean into the Proverbs. They tell us a good answer of what we're to do. Proverbs says what? Proverbs 18.10, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. We can, there's safety to be found. There's shelter to be found in the Lord. Amen. We're to run to Him. David comes back. He wrote so many wonderful psalms. In Psalm 61 2 through 4, he says what? From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. Look at at what he says. He says, lead me to the rock. Look at how he describes the Lord. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. What do you do when the storms come? Listen, I've heard it said this way. When thinking about the storms of life, you're either in a storm, you're coming out of one, or you're headed into one. Did you hear that? You're, You're either in one, you're coming out of one, or you're headed into one. There, there's some of you here this morning that you're in the midst of that storm, and, and my prayer is through the text, through the stories, through looking at where we're going this morning in Mark's gospel. Go ahead and, and go there. Mark's gospel, the second book of the New Test, Testament. So Matthew, Mark, Mark chapter 4. Go to Mark chapter 4. And I want you to look with me as we read this. 
Go to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. <coughs> Falls under the heading of Jesus calms the storm. Starting verse 35, you'll find these similar words. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Jesus, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind... And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So let's begin to unpack this this morning. We see in the text that it says, On that day. On that day. Listen, on that day he saw the crowd and he gave orders for them to go to the other side. But what's important here that I want you to see in the text, as we, before we dive into this passage, we've got to go back. We've got to look at something a little bit earlier. So if you still have your Bible open or your app open, go back to Mark chapter 1. <clears throat> Mark chapter 1. And let's look at verse 16. 16 through 20. It's Jesus calls the first disciples. And so passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets, and immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So here's the thing I want to remind you this morning. Has he invited, he invited them to follow him? Has Jesus ever invited you? Has there ever been a time in your life that Jesus has invited you to follow him? Have you put that off and said, no, i got to mend the nets. i got stuff i got to do. Not now, Jesus. What's the text say? The text says that they, they got up and they followed him. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Have you ever followed Jesus? Maybe he's inviting you to follow him this morning. I think the thing that I want you to see as we look at this text, let's go back into chapter 4. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go. Listen, the reason I took you back to chapter 1 is because of this. Before you can go, you have to follow. Before you go, you have to follow. And when you follow Jesus, you're not alone in the storms of life. I simply pin these words. You need to make sure that the journey you're on includes Jesus. Because, see, you gloss over that. You gloss over that. He says, let us go. He was with them. 
as we look here in the storm, as we, as we see what happens in the storm, what's fascinating is he says, let us go to the other side. Jesus knew. They didn't know, but Jesus, that wasn't the way Jesus was intended to die. Amen? The cross still lay before him, still stood before him. That wasn't how the story ended. Let's go across to the other side. Hold on to that. What, what I want you to see, too, in verse 36, and look at the end of verse 36, and the other boats were with him. Hold on to that thought. I saw something, I realized something I've never seen before in this story. And then we see in verse 37, the great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Have any of you, which I know I have a lot of fishermen in here, have any of y'all ever been stuck on a, in a storm on the water? All right, a couple of y'all, one in the last service. Funny story in the last service from Mr. Gordon. Mr. Gordon was like, yeah, we went out, we went fishing, we saw the, we saw the storm coming, and his buddy was like, nah, let's stay out a little bit longer. Then as it began to just kind of drizzle a little bit, man, they were catching a bunch of fish, so they just kept on fishing. Then he said, you know, a bolt of lightning popped about a mile away, which was a little too close, so they decided to crank up the boat and head on back in. Well, little did they do, they forgot to connect the gas can, so then they got a little ways, but then they ran out of gas. So you think about that. Have you ever, he, he was telling me the story about how, you know, it was just he was crazy. It was a crazy time. He was glad to be through that storm. Well, I have personally been through a storm on the water. I love to kayak. It's just very therapeutic for me, and so I think it was last summer, if not the summer before last, I went out, because you know when your family gets together, it's like, oh, I can go kayak and get away from all the craziness? Sorry, just saying. <clears throat> love you, babe. It's some of the family, not you. I love you. Um, some of the other people that show up. No, it's all good. It's very relaxing for me. It's a way that it's very therapeutic. But anyway, so I go out on the water. I'm on the water, and a storm comes up. Well, me being the photographer, of course I took a picture, but I, I'm going, I'm going back to where I'm supposed to be going, and I turn around and look, and what do I see? And this is the scene that I see behind me. So I'm thankful, that's out near Camp Bob Cooper, in between Camp Bob Cooper and the power lines, for those of you that know the lake. So I turned around, and I'm like, I'm glad I'm not going towards Camp Bob Cooper. I'm going the other way, but it was scary to be on the water. So I can't imagine what the disciples saw. But what's interesting that we see in verse 38 is that is the text says, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. So let me stop right there. You said, well, I thought that God doesn't need to rest. God doesn't need to rest, but Jesus was God, but he was also man. The great thing about him being man is that he knows what rejection is like. He knows what pain and suffering is like. But he also, we see in the text, that Jesus took a nap. So he was also God, but he was also man. And just like us, he got tired, so he rested. Jesus, listen, Jesus rested, and so should we. If we didn't have inward, outward tonight, I was going to be like Jesus and go home and take a nap. I like taking a nap. Anybody else in here like taking naps? Amen. Naps are, uh, they're great. They're wonderful. But we need to rest. Rest is important. And so I want to ask you this morning, are you finding time throughout your week to rest? On the weekend to rest. Why? Because you're not Superman. You're not Superwoman. You're not Jesus. You're not God. And if Jesus had to rest, so should you. So find time to rest. That's why the Sabbath was created. 
to rest. Then we see an interesting thing that they say in the latter half of verse 38. It says, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Do you not care? Have you ever have you ever prayed that to Jesus? If you have, it's okay because what do we see in David and the psalmist? We see we see authenticity. We see them pouring out their heart, their real heart of what their struggles, their mind, their temptation, their anger, their whatever, they're pouring it out to God. Do you not care? But look at what is fascinating about the text. And he awoke and rebuked the wind. He didn't rebuke them. He rebuked the wind. Do you not care? Listen, on that notion, he cares more than you know. He is the best father, and he cares for you. How do we know he cares for us? Because Peter tells us so. Peter says what? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting, listen, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. If you don't hear anything else I say today, Jesus cares for you he cares for you and he cares for me that's praiseworthy this morning he cares so much for us that he would come to this world in the form of a babe in a manger now here if here's jesus i mean here's god in the flesh he didn't come in pomp and circumstance he came in a lowly manger in a dirty place where animals went to feed and desecrated in a cave. That's where Jesus was born. Does that sound like the King of the King and Lord of the Lords? No, but guess what? That's how that's the flip side of what Jesus does. It's just how we think he should do. It's the exact opposite. Why? To teach us what we're how we're supposed to be and who he really is. He's he he confounds us. He he dumbfounds us because we think just like they did in the New Testament that he came to build and, and it was a military might. It wasn't. It was for the kingdom of God to be present at hand on earth as it is in heaven. But look with me in verse 39. He awoke and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. You, you know, remember my picture that I showed you at the lake about, about the storm. And here's something I want to remind you is this, that you can't be afraid to go back on the water. You you can't be afraid of what storm might come. Because what do we know about storms, especially this time of year? And we've seen some beautiful things. What typically happens sometime in the summertime after a storm? We see a what? A rainbow. And it's a promise of what God says. Well, after the next day, after kayaking and being in the storm and, and praising God that I got back to my family and I was safe on dry land, the next morning I go out and here was the scene that I saw. Peace, be still. Now, y'all know I like to take pictures. I have to draw an it really quick just to tell a backstory. It's one thing to take a picture of a flower. Like if this is a flower and I take a picture, oh, that's really easy. It's another thing to take pictures in a kayak. Why? Because if you paddle hard enough, you have ripples. Otherwise, you're also on water and you're moving. So guess what? There you go moving. So you're like, okay, there's the flower. Oh, okay, click. Oh, I didn't get it. Let me turn around, back up, go again. So it takes a little practice but I took my phone, I put it near the water, and this is one of my favorite memories from that time on the lake. Why? Because it's so peaceful and it's so calm. So don't be afraid to go back on the water. Don't be afraid of the storms that come your way because when you're following Jesus, he's with you 
in the storm. Amen? Listen, all he had to do was speak a word, and the wind and the seas obeyed him. All he has to do is speak a word, and that reminds me this morning, and you might have heard it said this way, that sometimes he calms the storm, and sometimes he calms his child. Sometimes he calms the storm, and sometimes he calms his child. So this morning, if you've come here and you're in the midst of a storm, my prayer is this, that God will either calm the storm or that he will calm you. But we must look to him. It reminds us that Jesus can speak peace over us into our circumstances, into our lives, our relationships, our hearts, and our minds. As I think this morning about, about this storm, there's a beautiful southern gospel song that he's the eye of the storm. There's also another song that's called Eye of the Storm, a little bit different. My friends, Mercy's Hand Trio, that have come and done some concerts here in their summer set that they do, they do this song. And so I want you to just listen for just a moment. And it's called Eye of the Storm. Listen to this song. When the solid ground is falling out from underneath my feet between the black skies and my red eyes i can barely see and when i'm feeling like i've been let down by my friends and my family i can hear the rain reminding me in the eye of the storm you remain in control in the middle of the war you guard my soul you alone are the anchor when my sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. What a great reminder, right? The eye of the storm. He's that calm, he's that peace. But then look with me in verse 40. He says, and he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? It, it reminds me, and in, in I wrote in my notes, fear not, for I am with you. We hear that over and over again in Scripture. Fear not. Why do we have to? It's, it's there. It's a reminder for us. Why? Because we're afraid. We're anxious. And we have to be reminded. I don't know about you, but that's how we learn. We have to be reminded over and over. Think about your children or your grandchildren. Do they catch on the first time you tell them not to do something? No. It takes continual prodding and nagging and reminding. Amen? My mother liked to nag. Anyway, that's another story for another day. All right. What's interesting here that it says, Have you still no faith? Luke, Luke's account says, Where is your faith? Matthew says, Of little faith. And here's the thing I want to remind you, that faith is a substance of things not seen. It's a substance of things hoped for. And so what I want to remind you this morning as we talk about storms is that our faith is built over time. And as we go deeper with the Lord, we go deeper and our faith is deeper through the experiences, the trials, and the storms that we go through. There's a song by Elevation called Do It Again. Look that up. Go to YouTube and listen to that song. I love that song so much. Why? Because it's a reminder of what God has done. You have to look back in your life and say, God, thank you for what you have done. Now do it 
again. And when I left Chick-fil-A and I stepped out in faith, I remember playing in the playground, and I said, Lord, praying, not playing, praying in the playground. And I said, Lord, I don't know what the future holds. I said, I trust you. You provided time and time again. Do it again. And I, I prayed that simple prayer. I said, amen. I turned in my letter of resignation, and I left my future in his hands. Do it again. I think about what we learned back in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 31, 6 through 8. It says what? Be strong and courageous. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave or forsake you. Do not fear and do not be dismayed. What's interesting is in verse 41, it says, And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this then that even the wind and the sea obey him. But, but think back. What did I tell you to do? Hold on to verse 36, right? Because it said, In leaving the crowd, they took him in the boat, just as he was in what? And the other boats were with him. Here's a thought. Here's a thought from the text. We have an account of the boat with Jesus, right? And the disciples. But what do you think about the other boats? What do you think that the other men thought? Do you think that they had something to talk about when they reached the shore? Do you think they had something to talk about the next day? Do you think they had something to talk about the next week? Let's fast forward. We're still talking about it 2,000 years later, amen, of what Jesus can do. That all he has to do is speak the word and the wind and the waves are still. Really quick, a couple of takeaways from today's message is this. Without Jesus, you're hopeless. And you might say, well, Chris, you that's harsh. Sorry, it's the truth. And here's the thing. Some of y'all might come to me and say, hey, Chris, you stepped on my toes. I wasn't aiming for your toes. I was aiming for your heart. It's a heart transformation, amen? I'm not, that's subtle pain. It, heaven and hell stand in the balance of what we do. We're, we're Listen, y'all have heard me, now I'm going to go from preaching to a rant for a minute. But listen, time is nigh. We cannot come together and just be here going through the motions week in and week out playing church. We're here to honor and to glorify God, to learn and to grow in our relationships, to go deeper with God, to go deeper with one another, to live out our faith, not just to come because what we've replaced our coming with going. We're called, you're here today, but at the end of this service, you're called to go. You're going to have your dot, your house, your community, your workplace, your family. You're going to reach people this week. You're going to touch lives that I will never see and never interact with. You get to be the hands and feet of Jesus for them. You may be the only Bible that they see. Again, I remind you today that you need to make sure that the journey you're on includes Jesus. Right? I mean, if you get in a boat and you set out on your own, then you're on your own. But what did they say? Jesus said, let us go to the other side. He was with them, and they were going to reach the other side. Listen, for a believer, storms are inevitable, but you have to remember that Jesus is always with you. Friends, storms, listen, you can't wish them away. You can't pray them away. You must go through them. But you aren't to go through them alone if you are following Jesus. 
Have you ever been through storms in your life? You know, what are some storms that you go through? Health issues, relationship issues, a wayward child. We go through natural storms, hurricanes, tornadoes. And very quickly, it won't be on the screen, but if, if you'd like for me to text it to you, I can. But listen, I just began to, to pour out my heart and, and just say, okay, God, we're thinking about storms. What do storms do? And he, here's what I wrote. Storms reveal weaknesses. They reset our focus. They make us run to safety. They, they make us reach for help. They cause us to re-examine our lives, to reflect on our blessings, on our great God, on the love of others. I think about this morning, Miss Debbie Scott. She and her sister sit every week in the balcony in the first service. Do you think last Sunday when she sat in the balcony with her sister and they came to worship, do you think that she would get a call this week to find out that her husband had had a heart attack and later that evening he died? This Sunday she's a widow. My heart breaks for her. But as I prayed with her this weekend and I saw as we went to their house, I said, Miss Debbie, I'm thankful that you have a loving and supporting family and a group of friends that are around you. Imagine the people in and around us that don't have that. We're called to be that. Storms renew our faith. They recall us. They help make us recall how God has provided how he's strengthened, how he's comforted, how he's encouraged, how he's brought us safely through before. Listen, y'all, storms cause us to remember who is in control. And they reunite us with what matter most. And last but not least, you know what storms do? They give us an opportunity to repent for trying to always be in control. Friends, to get where you are to where you need to be, there will be storms. I think this morning as I sat and chatted with my nanny back in 2013, I remember her telling me sometimes she could hardly stand this all that she had been through. And I began to take notes that day, and, and here's what she told me. She said, here I am in 2013. She said, here I am, soon to be 83 years old. He, the Lord, sure has brought me through a whole lot. If I hadn't had him to hold on to, I wouldn't be here today. And then she used this little phrase, love and lost. Love and lost. Love and lost. Think about all that she went through. And I told her that I wanted to share her story. And I asked her, I said, Nanny, if you could say something through me to the person who's hurting this morning, to the one who's going through the valley, to the one who's going through a storm, here's what Nanny says. Trust in the Lord. He'll bring you through it. He brought me through it. She went to be with the Lord on February the 9th. 2016. So this morning I ask you, what do you do when the storms come? What do you do when you get that, that phone call that, that just rocks your world? Are you going to start preparing now to walk with Jesus? He's not just a, a fire extinguisher stuck in the corner that's like breaking a case of emergency. 
It's a daily relationship with Him. So I encourage you this week to pour out your heart, to get before Him, to get into His Word, to, to, to find somebody else, to go to lunch with them, to ask them questions, ask them to pray with you. <clears throat> Prepare before the storm comes. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I'm going to invite you over here on the side. If you stand in need of prayer this morning, Will, Miss Helen, and myself, we're going to go over here on the other side. I just want you, nobody has to know, nobody cares. Y'all don't, how about we do something we don't typically do? If you want to, if you need to pray, you pray where you're at. But I want to invite you to come and walk to the back and walk here to the other side and, and grab one of our hands. It don't matter who you grab, whose hand you grab, but grab one of our hands. It would be an honor and a privilege. You don't even have to say anything. Just come and we'll pray with you. Amen? That They, they have a heart and a burden for praying with others. Y'all come. But let me pray for us this morning. Father God, I thank you. Lord, thank you for my nanny's story. Lord, thank you for that wonderful, sweet conversation that I had with her. Lord, of her just telling me of how you brought her through it, that she couldn't have done it without you. Lord, and she just used that phrase as it's burned in my memory, loved and lost. Loved and lost. Loved and lost. Father, there's some here this morning. They're like nanny. They've loved and they've lost, and they don't know how they're going to press on. Lord, I pray they look to you. Lord, I pray they remember that text from Matthew, Lord, that says, let us go to the other side. Lord, that you're with us through the storms of life. Lord, you're with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Lord, you're with us. You love us and you care for us. And so, Father, I pray this morning, Lord, I don't know what you want to do in the hearts and lives of these, your people, but, Lord, I pray that they would step into what you're calling them to do. Lord, there are next steps around this room that you're calling them to take. There's some here this morning that you're inviting them to follow you for the very first time. Lord, I pray that they would run, immediately run, Lord, to follow you, to fall at their feet, fall on their knees, and and do like the publican. Father, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's all it means is acknowledging that we're a sinner in need of a Savior, asking you to save us. Father, I don't know what you want to do. Have your way in this time, in this invitation time, Lord, in this prayer time today. I pray that your will be done. Give folks around this room the courage to, to not just hold on to the back of the chair in front of them, but to step out, Lord, to, to be prayed with, to, to seek you, to, to, to seek the life that you've called them to live. Father, we ask all this in the mighty and precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Have your way, Father. Have your way.